a way to have an issue. What? Do you actually? No. Good. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Leave it in. I was going to wait to do it 20 minutes in or so. Feels like the, the fourth time, third time. Welcome back to episode 62 of Water Hockey, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and proudly supported by DraftKings. As always, use promo code THPN on the DraftKings app to get in on all of the action today. Even though football is over, uh, there are plenty of sports to absolutely lose or win money on, depending on how good or not good you are. Uh, make sure to share Water Hockey at Water Hockey on all social media platforms. Uh, at Water Hockey on on Instagram and Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook. We're on all of them. Not on TikTok yet. Maybe one day. Anyway, we have a super, super special episode for the French fries and all of the French fry nation. Uh, fun backstory, which we will get into here in a little bit. Uh, we've actually recorded this before, but we're going to try it again. Uh, we are all rocking. We're plugged into the Matrix right now. Uh, but before we introduce our guest and really kind of get into uh, what we have to talk about, because honestly, it couldn't be better timing, which again, we'll, we'll get into in a second. Let's catch up with the boys. Uh, first and foremost, Jason, not going to kick it over to you because we always go with Patrick first. I wanted to kind of a, a little redirect. Patrick, how was your weekend, dude? <laughs> I like that, Jason, we're actually not going to check in with you today. Yeah, so. Jason, I wanted to introduce <laughs> you and also not talk about you right now. That's okay. I we'll get there. I finished last. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good weekend, man. We went to my niece's quinceanera, and that was a lot of fun. It was actually a lot of fun. A lot more drinking than I expected, <laughs> to is be this, honest with you. Is this your first quinceanera? It is. It uh, is indeed. Yeah. I was going to say, because okay. that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of drinking that goes on in those things. And it's a good thing I was uh, I was marathon drinking and not sprint drinking. Because I wow. had to drive us home, so I uh, kept a nice buzz throughout the night, and then had to drive my sister-in-law's big ass Buick <clears throat> Buick SUV home, which was not enjoyable. The, and then, the Enclave, uh, Is that what they're called. I th- think so. Big bad beautiful Buick Enclave. I don't I don't know what it's oh, called, gosh. but it's way too big for me. And I didn't like it, but everybody got home safe. We had to drive from the castle out in Rockwall to Wiley and then back to go pick up Steve's car. So I drove probably like 200 miles on Saturday between church, home, out to Mesquite, out to Rockwall, over to Wiley, back all the way back. It was at one point stopped in Garland picked up your jersey i did stop in garland picked up my jersey so everybody that ordered one has theirs now it turned out incredibly well it's thick it's durable colors look great my name is spelled correctly which yeah you know p-a-t seems like that would be pretty hard to fuck up but i ordered a softball jersey uh, a few years ago and they put pay on the back so that was a nice uh like nice surprise to see that they put it. it Hey, yeah, man. yeah, PAT they couldn't get right. I guess somebody fat fingered the keyboard. Well, so. I will say that it could be worse. Uh, I don't want to talk about any specific 
manufacturing brand that we have worked directly with twice now, but they may or may not have put some of our beer league teams, entire names on the jerseys, first and last name. Uh, <laughs> they didn't think like, Hey, why is this, is this guy just like super proud of his entire name? Uh, everyone else has their last name except these two guys. Uh, but uh, shout out to one of the team moms. That's not surprising went in at all. And took the stitching out and not restitched the last names because, uh, yeah, oh, no. what will we do without snaps team for that mom? mom. Yeah, t- snaps for the team moms. But anyway, uh, and you got to experience your your first uh, Cirque du Soleil. Is that is that correct? Oh, I forgot about that. How could you yeah, forget that, the majesty, the pageantry? It was a long weekend. I told you Saturday was a lot. That's fair. Yeah. Dude, it was a lot of fun out there at the Comerica Center Arena. I don't know. Home Frisco? Yeah, at the Stars Complex. Yeah, dude, it was awesome. Lots of stuff that made me feel like even in my best shape when I was younger, I couldn't even come close to doing half of what they did. It's incredibly impressive. I would recommend it. Well, if they could, if they could do a flip and land on their feet, even on a trampoline, they're miles above what I can do. So, yeah, they do about three so, quarters of a flip and land on my face. Yeah, <laughs> I'd pay to see that. So kudos to, kudos yes. to Cirque. <laughs> kudos to Cirque du Soleil for sure. It was a lot of fun. Right on, Jason. Now, now is the time. How was your weekend, man? Oh, the weekend was good. I uh, played hooky from work on Friday. Drove back early from that conference I was at down in College Station. Which, by the way, okay, going back, let's let's rewind to that weekend because I ended up breaking my work phone. Oh, uh, what? I broke my work phone uh, Friday morning. You did not mention. You wouldn't this. think it was like knowing what I did. So I did a lot of karaoke down there, drank a lot of beers, but I met some nice people. I don't know if anybody from work is listening, but you know, I did a lot of searching for a new gig down there. Uh, change the pace a little bit. So, whoa, now, uh, if you change your mind, what leads, that cut out, trying to know. get out of. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. I doubt anybody from my actual <laughs> work listens. So, uh, but no, got some solid leads. Uh, trying to make a jump, anyways, from the public sector to the private, and get paid for my talents. You know. Uh, anyways, you deserve, yes, you deserve it. Played hooky Friday, came back early, like thir- late Thursday night, I guess, because I had to take a old Maxwell to daycare Friday morning. And then, yeah, other than that, it was a great weekend. Like I said, rearranged my desk after I came back, and it's been fun ever since. Love that. Love that. I uh, I rearranged some wires on my desk. That was, that was it. Uh, trying to think. We won our game on, on Friday. Little pylons are just absolutely... Running, running a muck oh, yeah. through the uh, through the league right now. Uh, feeling real good, feeling real confident going into a Sunday night game. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, really, this isn't going to be about the stars. This isn't going to be particularly about uh, the the kind of hockey that we normally talk about because this is going to be more international style hockey. Uh, but it is it is very much tied directly to the state of Texas. So. Really excited about that. Before we jump into it, I want to say I have been seeing more people at the rink carrying around the one and only Conway and Banks bag. And I got to say it's 100% in part because of 
what I think is their most handsome ambassador, mostly because you're the only adult ambassador for Conway and Banks. And if I said a 12 year old kid was handsome, that would really raise some flags. But red flags. Jason, Jason, tell me more about Conway and Banks and how these fine people of Wada hockey can obtain one on their own. Well, fellas and ladies, uh, if you guys are looking to replace that old moldy hockey bag of yours with that busted zipper on there, go ahead and check out conwayandbanks.com. They make premium quality bags that are built to last, and they include those removable organizers to keep all your gear organized, and it keeps everything dry with those waterproof materials on the side. It's true. Uh, they got those giant vents in there, too, so everything is uh, extremely dry after after a nice the little driest. sweat. Uh my favorite feature on that is that built-in foot mat, and they keep my feet dry from all those nasty locker rooms. Uh, they come in three different sizes and colors, so you'll be sure to find one that you love. Get 10% off by using code WHATAHOCKEY10 and get your gear to the rink in style. 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 Hoops fans, WADAHOCKEY fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get 150 in free bets if you win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars with their first deposit. To get in on this, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now with promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get 150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 and up, minimum age and location restrictions vary. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Let's get back to the show. Well, like I've said, this next guest doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway, because he is easily, and this is not taking away anything from anyone that we've had on before, easily one of our most decorated guests that we have ever had uh, two times. We'll get into that in a second. But he is the Sochi 2014 Paralympic Winter Games gold medalist, as well as the Vancouver 2010 Paralympic Winter Games gold medalist, Torino 2006 Paralympic Winter Games bronze medalist, a six-time International Paralympic Committee Ice Sledge Hockey World Champion medalist with gold in 2009 and 2012, the silver in 2004, 2013, and the bronze in 2008. He is a three-time IPC World Sledge Hockey Challenge medalist, a silver medalist in November 2011 and 13, and a bronze medalist in April 2011. That's just half of the pedigree that we have written down for this guy. We're going to get into pretty much all of this, but... Uh, he is Texas own Taylor Lipset. Uh, Taylor, welcome back to the show, first and foremost. Yeah, thanks a lot uh, for inviting me back after all the troubles I uh, caused last time trying to upload our episode. But no, like you mentioned earlier, it couldn't be at a better time than right now. So excited to talk about some sled hockey. 
Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, for everyone that's listening, uh, we actually recorded with with Taylor back in I think it was uh, August, yeah. August of last year. Uh, and you were in between moving, so you were having to share Wi-Fi with uh, quite a few other people. Uh, we had gone through the whole episode, and unfortunately at the time, uh, the Wi-Fi did not allow the episode to upload. Uh, but everything's ha- everything happens for a reason because we're here and we're literally weeks out from the Paralympics in, uh, in China coming up. So, like I said... Everything happens for a reason. This couldn't be happening at a better time because who better to talk about the Paralympics and sled hockey than one of, if not the most decorated American sled hockey player ever. Uh, So welcome back. And uh, let's just, let's just get, get after it. I mean, I feel like we've, we've, we've already exchanged pleasantries from our first episode, but tell us a little bit about your experience kind of growing up and and your relationship to hockey and how those two kind of click clicked and when when it kind of really set in motion for you yeah for sure so i actually grew up in mesquite texas with jason um and potty pirates baby (laughs) that's right uh i was i was really just a, a hockey fan in general for most of my life you know the stars had moved to texas uh we won the stanley cup I, you know, in my middle school and early high school days, I was playing a lot of street hockey with my friends and my brother and and whatnot. Uh, and so really was kind of just on the hockey train like a lot of kids in North Texas. Uh, but I was born with a disability and I was in a wheelchair, so I couldn't really jump on the ice uh, with other kids that were getting exposed to the sport. And when I was 15, I ran into a lady in the grocery store and she started telling me about her son-in-law that had just competed at the Paralympic Winter Games in Salt Lake City. He was a part of the sled hockey team and they won the gold medal. And so, you know, totally taken off guard. I had never heard about the Paralympics. I had never heard about sled hockey, but like I said, I was a huge hockey fan. So we exchanged information. She gave me her son-in-law's contact info, who uh, was also from North Texas and I gave him a call and we met up uh, the next week. And my first time on the ice, I got hooked. And that, that was the start of it all. For, for those that are listening, uh, sled hockey, is it essentially the same rules as, as you know, the regular sport? Uh, is it five on five with a goalie? Or are there any differences that, uh, you know, going into the Paralympics that people might want to keep an eye on? Yeah, 99% the exact same game. Um, a couple of differences. We have one additional penalty called T-boning where you run into an opposing player perpendicular, you know, causing a T-shape. Uh, you cannot initiate contact with the front of your sled. And so that's one additional penalty that we have that stand-up hockey doesn't have. And the only other uh, modification is that we play 15-minute periods instead of 20. Uh, other than that, all the rules are the same, five players, two goalies, Uh, You've got all the other penalties and and rules. Um, It's full contact, extremely fast-paced, super fun to watch. Uh, So definitely encourage everyone to check it out on NBC and NBC Sports, Peacock, all the channels that everyone just watched the Olympics on. The Paralympics will be on all those same uh, channels here starting March 3rd. Uh, Before we we jump into kind of the – there's one kid in particular I want to talk about. I can't remember his name, but we'll, we'll bring him up here in just a second. 
How did you feel about the Winter Olympics? This, you know, they just wrapped up. Uh, obviously, there was plenty to talk about controversy wise with, you know, athletes kind of being a little finicky. And I don't want to say outright cheating, but uh, w- without going into that, how did you feel the, uh, the Olympics went that just wrapped up? Yeah, I thought it was cool. You know, I think given everything that all the athletes over the last couple of years have had to deal with, you know, throughout the pandemic and shutdowns and the loss of access to training and coaching and all those things that occurred as in the lead up to, you know, arguably the biggest moments of their sporting lives. Um, you know, I think, you know, it was incredible, you know, not just for us athletes, but, you know, just athletes across the world, uh, to see them kind of, you know, put their best foot forward and compete. And, um, you know, many of them win at, at the highest level was super, mm-hmm. you know, inspiring to watch. It's, it's always awesome to see, you know, the faces and reactions of athletes once they, you know, attain that goal that they've been working for, for, you know, most likely their entire lives. Uh, so that was super cool. Um, you know, obviously I'm partial to the hockey side of things. And so, you know, right. super excited through the preliminary round for the men's team, uh, really thought we had a chance to, to get a medal and, you know, we pulled the stars there at the end of, uh, <laughs> the quarterfinals game and, and lost it. Um, which was heartbreaking, but, you know, it was fun to watch, you know, USA hockey put together a great squad there, uh, kind of kind of at the last minute, you know, once we, mm-hmm. we knew that the NHL players weren't going to be uh, able to travel. Uh, and then the women, of course, you know, with their showdown against Canada, you know, played a hard game, fought back and almost, you know, tied it there at the end of the game, but came up with a silver medal, which is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, you know, there's you know, thousands and thousands of athletes across the world that just dream of going to the Olympics, much less meddling and so you know they should definitely be proud of that silver medal and uh you know we'll try to get them next time around yeah and i have to bring up the fact that you know obviously women's hockey is on the uptick uh in north america um, as well as around the world and i want to say they had they pulled in and this is you know we're all central uh central time zone so i want to say it was 10.05 puck drop yep p.m um on a weekend or weekday night and i think they pulled in like 3.5 million viewers Yep. Which completely trumped the men's side. If I, if I saw correctly, no offense to the guys, obviously it was a little bit different this year uh, with the announcement of the NHL not being involved with the Olympics, which I think that could have been a little bit of a difference maker, but it's just so cool to see the sport, you know, growing like it, like it is, especially with the women's side of things. And I don't know if you guys heard, but the team, I can't remember who their affiliate is. Uh, Maybe the growlers, uh, in the ECHL, I want to say they feed into the Canadians, I believe, but they were talking to one of the PHF, one of the women's uh, professional hockey players about playing in the ECHL. And she said, no, I don't want to play, but I want you to represent us. Like, I want you to help grow the the sport of women's hockey, just like you guys do with men's hockey, which I think is just super like phenomenal to see happening. But I guess a question that I have for you, Taylor, talking about the Olympics and Obviously, you've been to the Olympics, like we talked about numerous times. Is it a little bit different for you to sit there and watch it and see the emotions on the faces and and see the the kind of, you know, the looks of sacrifice, knowing how much they put into it? Uh, does it kind of resonate a little bit differently with you having been there and having 
received medals, you know, silver, bronze, and gold, and, and just kind of what does that mean to you watching it and seeing someone else kind of in, in your situation achieve what they're working for? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, having competed at that level, um, you know, and being at the games three times, you know, I personally know the sacrifices and the time uh, that goes into not even just competing at that level, but being able to achieve, you know, the level of winning a medal. Um, and, you know, most people watch the Olympics for the entertainment and they see some of the specials that, you know, the, the NBC runs on the backstory of some of the athletes, but they don't truly know the, the level of sacrifice and dedication and adversity that these athletes overcome day in and day out. Um, and so, you know, I'd like to think I've got a little bit better, you know, uh, idea of what those athletes have gone through and, uh, what it's taken for them to, you know, achieve their goals. And like I said, it's, it's awesome to, to see obviously best when the U S uh, is on the medal stand, but nonetheless, when any athlete is able to achieve, um, those goals of meddling at the Olympics is, or the Paralympics, it's just, it's an incredible feeling. And it brings back a rush of, you know, memories that I was fortunate to experience three different times. Yeah. I, which I mean, like I said, we're going through all of the uh, the accolades. Was, I don't want to. I don't want to make anyone else feel bad. But I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like, I kind of gotta start introducing this guy and like actually let him talk before you know we're 30 minutes in and I'm like still talking about it. Uh, so I want to ask. What, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, was there one? Um, I guess Olympic event that kind of stood out more than any other at the most recent. Uh, no, like I guess for yourself, oh, like, for me. Yeah, of your three games. Yeah, I think I think Vancouver was definitely the highlight um, of my career. Um, you know, obviously it was semi close to home, and so I had a lot of family members there: uh, aunts, uncles, grandparents from both sides. My wife was there, parents, and so I had a lot of fans. You know, there supporting me, and um, was able to win my personal first gold medal. Um, and also become or be a part of the team that became the first program to win two gold medals in the sport of sled hockey. And so all of that kind of wrapped together um, and just the experience uh, was was super cool and definitely the highlight of my career. Not to say that, you know, Sochi wasn't, you know, equally as amazing, but yeah, just getting that first gold medal is something that, you know, you dream of and train of train for for so long. And to finally achieve that and see, you know, again, all the hard work and sacrifices come to fruition. It's just, you know, a moment that is definitely a highlight of my life. What was it kind of like, I guess, uh, out in Sochi, given like the time difference and everything? Did you feel like it was difficult to adjust your 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 routine a bit to, to get settled? Uh, we do a pretty good job of getting on site, you know, early enough to get everyone's body acclimated. So I think we we're there probably a week early, um, you know, before opening ceremonies. And so, you know, by the time uh, we actually start the, the tournament, we've already had time to kind of adjust our bodies, which, which takes about three to four days. We've had a few days of practices. Uh, so we were feeling pretty good. Um, you know, and a lot of people recall some of the the funny stuff um, with Sochi with some of the amenities not being finished. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah. we had a bobsled athlete that competed in the Olympics. They got locked in a bathroom. And so, John, you know, Johnny, uh, Johnny Quinn. 
Yeah. Johnny Quinn. Yeah. He's a North Texas alum too. Yeah. yeah. From McKinney. Texas native. Uh, yeah. He yep. still lives up in McKinney. Um, and so a lot of people always, you know, think that when you mention Sochi, but Paralympians like to refer to Olympians as our test dummies. And so they go into the games first, figure out everything that's wrong and not complete. And, you know, the organizing committee fixes it. And then we come in two weeks after uh, the Olympics end and everything's perfect. So, uh, yeah, Sochi was a great time as well. So I wanted to I wanted to loop back a little bit more towards the beginning of your hockey career in general now that we have kind of where you've led up to being gold medalist, when you were first starting out in sled hockey, what was your thought process going through that? Especially we talked about it last time with your osteogenesis imperfect. I hope I said it right this time again. You did. We talked about it last time, but for, for our listeners, could you describe kind of what, how that impacts your life and, you know, just more background and how, how that has impacted how you play hockey and your style of play. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, obviously it, it had a huge impact just on my thought process of getting on the ice that first time. Uh, and, and like you mentioned for everyone that, um, you know, might not know, uh, probably doesn't know. Uh, I was born with osteogenesis imperfecta. You did say that correctly. So that's impressive. Um, which is uh, brittle bones. And so I grew up breaking bones um, pretty frequently, uh, sometimes due cause, you know, as being a, a crazy kid, but other times often for little or no apparent reason, I'd get a fracture. Um, and so from the ages of like one and a half to 12, I broke about, mm, call it 90 to 100 times, mostly my femurs, uh, kind of one of the characteristics of the, the disease is that whatever breaks first kind of continues to break and um, my femurs broke first. And so, uh, yeah, spent a lot of time in body casts, um, in the hospital, you know, recovering from broken bones, surgeries, you know, all throughout my childhood, uh, which is one of the big reasons why, you know, I never really played any other sports growing up. I had asked my doctor uh, once about wheelchair basketball because that was the only other adaptive sport that I'd ever heard of. And he said, absolutely not, because the players flip over in their chairs pretty frequently, you know, diving for the ball or due to contact, that sort of thing. And, you know, when I was growing up, hmm. I was a guaranteed like shattered femur if I flipped over and my knee hit the ground first. Hmm. Um, and so that was out of the out of the question. So. You know, I really just spent my entire childhood just trying to get as close to sport as possible. Um, you know, I was bat boy for my brother's baseball team. And then uh, in middle school, I started to kind of get into the athletic training side of things. So uh, I was water boy for the, the basketball team and the football teams. And then in high school, I was an athletic trainer for the various uh, programs football and soccer uh, specifically. And so always trying to, you know, just get as close to sport as possible, but never really a part of a team, right? Uh, kind of just always on the outside looking in, that support staff person, um, you know, not in the locker room, you know, shooting it with the boys, right? And so when I was 15 and, and I ran into um, – uh, a gold medalist from the 2002 Winter Paralympic Games, mother-in-law at the grocery store, and she told me about the Paralympics and sled hockey. You know, that first time after I tried it out, that was that was my chance to finally be a part of a team, to feel like I was, you know, in the locker room, in the huddle, 
um, you know, out there for a shift with other people my age that were like me. And, um, you know, it, it sincerely changed my life and the entire trajectory that I had envisioned for myself, uh, because, right. you know, being a hockey player definitely wasn't in that, um, you know, rendition right. that I had envisioned. Um, so yeah, that, that first time I went out there, you know, I was definitely hesitant because, you know, I roll into the rink and people are hitting each other. They're running into the walls everything hockey. Right. And I'm like, you know, I've got barrel bones. I've broken, you know, a hundred plus times. Like this seems a little physical, but on the flip side, I never shied away from anything. I was a huge hockey fan. And so I wanted to try it. And so they finally talked me into getting out there. They promised me no one would hit me or lay me out or anything like that. And, you know, I'm not joking when I say like the first glide out onto the ice and the sled um, was literally life changing. And from that moment on, like everything that was in me, everything that I did was um, to become a better sled hockey player and uh, ultimately try to try to win a medal um, at the Paralympic Games. And so it kind of took over, you know, everything, my thought process, what I did, you know, away from the rink, at the rink, um, in everyday life. And uh, I was fortunate to, you know, like we said, uh, medal three different times at the Paralympic Games. And uh, it's been a, a fun journey. What was that first conversation with your parents like when you brought the idea up to them? Were they <laughs> on board from the beginning or did, did that take a little uh, convincing? Yeah. Hey, remember how the doctor said, don't say, don't play basketball. Yeah. I got, I got another, I listen, I found another sport. Yeah. Uh, you, guys have seen, you guys have watched hockey, right? Very little contact. <laughs> no, no, for sure. And that's one of the main <laughs> questions I always get. Um, and honestly, you know, my parents are awesome. They never held me back from anything. Um, you know, one thing we didn't tell my doctor growing up is that I used to cruise around town, um, on a skateboard, you know, I would sit down on it and use my hands to like propel myself. And I would hold on to the pegs on my friend's bicycles. And I mean, we'd be cruising. Um, <laughs> yes, I did break a few bones doing that. Um, but again, it's not something that my parents ever told me that I couldn't do. There wasn't anything that I wanted to do that, you know, they told me that I couldn't try. And so, you know, they were on board. You know, my dad was a huge Stars fan um, at that point as well. And and so, you know, when when they heard that there was a chance for me to play ice hockey, not just street hockey, they, they were 100% supportive and, and told me to, to go after it. Um, I think maybe when I told them I was going to win a gold medal after the fourth or fifth time I was on the ice, they might have been a little skeptical. Um, but you know how parents Look are. Look at me now, though. <laughs> Their parents were supportive, um, and, you know, they were encouraging and, you know, just told me to work hard and stick with it. And, um, you know, sure enough, it's taken me to a lot of places. And, um, yeah, super fortunate that they never really held me back. Yeah, that's awesome. You, you were talking about uh, being an athletic trainer did that kind of help you in any way, shape or form uh, being on the ice and kind of, you know, maybe knowing at a certain point, like, uh, I just broke my femur again. Or like, did you, could you, was it a little bit like beneficial to you as an athlete being out there, just kind of knowing a little bit more about, you know, the physicality and, and figuring out, okay, this doesn't feel right. I think this is what's wrong. Yeah, I think it definitely gave me, you know, an advantage on how to read my body. Um, mm -hmm. you know, obviously I'd experienced a lot of, you know, physical trauma throughout my life. So I kind of knew what different things felt like, 
you know, one of the other characteristics of osteogenesis imperfecta is very loose joints and ligaments and tendons and things. So shoulders popping out of socket quite frequently and things like that. And so just being more knowledgeable about that and knowing the rehab routines uh, that go along with things like that, I think was definitely beneficial. Um, but really just, just knowing my body helped me really kind of cultivate the style of play that, um, you know, I played with obviously with brittle bones, I wasn't going to be the enforcer or the hardest hitting guy out there. Um, but it allowed me to focus on the things that I could do, which was, you know, like stick handling, shooting, passing, you know, the things that really set up scoring opportunities and goals. Um, and that's kind of, that kind of became my, my role on the team. You know, uh, I was a goal scorer and that's what the team re- relied on me to do. And uh, I was able to to really develop those skills, you know, over my career and scored some big goals uh, in big games and uh, was able to contribute to the team's success in ways that, you know, I couldn't otherwise physically. It's, I mean, that's it's awesome, too. And I think that kind of goes for kids that are playing hockey uh, now uh, at any level, just knowing that you don't always have to be the biggest and hit the hardest. Like there are there are places for for everyone on the ice as far as position wise and style of play. I do kind of want to ask, and this is kind of a two part, but first I, I want to ask about what it was like when, or what it was like being told that you had made the Olympic team. Was it like a phone call or were you expecting it? Or was it one of those situations where you just, you know, it's like made in a movie where your mom's like the phone's for you. And <laughs> kind of like, you know, in the beginning of miracle when she's like, it's the USOC or were you like, I'm Taylor Lipset. I'm making this team no matter what. What <laughs> yeah. was that? What was it like for you? No, good question. And, and not even going to lie, like my first invitation to the national team was like that USOC phone call. Um, <laughs> I literally had gotten home from school one day and my mom said that the, the coach from the U.S. sled hockey team had called and left a message for me. You know, this was before, you know, kids had cell phones and stuff. And I was like, really? Um, and at that point, I was on the junior national team. So, you know, mostly basically all kids under the age of 18 that were kind of coming up through the ranks. Um, and it was in January. And she said that he called and left a message and wanted me to call him back. And so I called him and um, he said that the team had had a couple of injuries late there in the season and they were getting ready to go to the world championships uh, in March, yeah, I think it was March 2004, and uh, they were looking for some players to to call up and fill some spots. And my name was, you know, on the list. And he invited me out to a training camp in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center there. And so, you know, almost two years to the date, just shy of two years uh, to the date of me being introduced to the sport for the first time. I was on a plane to Colorado Springs to essentially have a, a you know little tryout for the the national mm-hmm. team and uh, was fortunate enough to to make that world championship team and uh, that was the start of my career. Uh, but the the interesting thing about you know Paralympic sport uh, and I guess Olympic sport also is that you have to try out every single year, so it doesn't matter necessarily what you do one year. Um, you know, we have tryouts every July and you have to make that squad, 
Um, and being a Paralympian or an Olympian, you only get that chance to make the Paralympic team once every four years. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a big difference between Olympic and Paralympic sport compared to other sports where you just have to wait a few months till the next season, right? Right. You know, you, it's, it's a four year quad that you're committing yourself to. And so, you know, there was a lot that went into, you know, those two years between 2004 and 2006, including a couple of tryouts. And I remember being in Colorado Springs in, I think it was in January, 2006. And, um, the coaches were having meetings with each and every player to let them know if they made the team or not. And, you know, I was there and had to, had to wait my turn and, you know, was called into the room and was, uh, you know, told that I I made the team and I got to, you know, call my parents and let them know that I officially made the Paralympic team and to book their tickets to Torino, Italy. And, you know, yeah, it was an awesome feeling, you know, a lot of emotions that kind of came with it, you know, Mm -hmm. dating back to when I was five years old, you know, when doctors said that I'd most likely never get to play sports you know, thinking back to that, to being, you know, named to the Paralympic team, I, I was going to be representing my country overseas, um, you know, at the pinnacle of my sport. Um, yeah, a lot of emotions uh, that go along with that. And it was it was a huge honor. And um, it was an amazing experience, uh, you know, getting named to that first Paralympic team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool story. And the reason I, I asked or said it was a two part um, I mentioned that there was a young up and coming kid uh, earlier, just 19 years old. Uh, his name's Malik Jones. I don't know if you've had a chance to to see any of his uh, his action on the ice, but how do you feel about uh, you know a guy like him and and this team kind of going into this next Paralympics? Yeah, I, I actually know Malik pretty pretty well. I've actually got gotten to coach him at a couple of select camps over the summer. I've gotten unfortunately to play against him. Uh, this is much better than I am or was. And, you know, his story is just really what it's all about. These kids uh, grow up, you know, playing the sport, you know, really committing themselves to learning the game and, you know, developing their craft and just waiting for that opportunity to, to you know, try out and represent Team USA at the Paralympics. And, you know, he's made all the right choices, all the right decisions. He's overcome extreme adversity that, you know, much, much more adversity than just, you know, the physical disabilities that he's lived with um, throughout his life and for him to be able to overcome those things and reach, um, you know, this, you know, this pinnacle in the sport of sled hockey at such a young age is, you know, inspiring. It's, it's amazing. It's, I'm super proud of him and I can't wait, you know, to see, uh, him compete in his first game and you know it's it's going to be right to right to business because u.s plays canada first um at the paralympics so they're you know jumping right into it right away and uh, i have no doubt that he's going to have a huge impact on the team uh and on the flip side of that I'm, i did a little research on the uh on the roster you have malik jones who is 19 and, and going into his first uh olympic or paralympics have you had a chance to meet this guy Rico Roman? This guy's he's going to be turning 41 in February. Uh and he's the oldest member of the team. So it's just it kind of just it, it was a little mind-blowing cuz you see just the the vast dynamic of difference in age groups. Yeah, no, Rico is the what do you call it? The the outlier. The the sport has continuously become a young man's sport. 
you know, mm-hmm. over the last decade, you know, the average age of the team has, you know, continued to de- decrease. I think even with Rico, the average age is like in the early 20s. And so, yeah, he's a freak of nature. Um, you know, he, <laughs> he keeps getting better. Uh, he keeps getting stronger. Um, you know, he's a he's a military veteran that wasn't even introduced to the sport until, you know, his, his 30s. And so, you know, to see what he's been able to accomplish in the sport and the exposure and visibility that, you know, him personally have, has brought to the Paralympic movement through various sponsors and commercials and social media activity is, it's amazing. Um, you know, the Paralympic movement is all about exposure and just getting people to see the, the different opportunities that people with disabilities have in the sports world, but also the, you know, the perception uh, that we're able to change as Paralympic athletes that the general public have towards people with disabilities. And he's done a great job with maximizing, you know, his opportunity to change those perceptions. And like I said, he keeps getting, he keeps getting better the older he gets. Um, you know, this will be his third Paralympic Games. Uh, he's got an opportunity here to be one of the few uh, sled hockey athletes in the world to, to be a three-time gold medalist. And I know he takes that that opportunity seriously. Uh, he's training harder than he's ever trained, um, which is a, a huge sacrifice. Again, he's got kids. He's got a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, the things that these guys put into being the best athlete they can be is remarkable and I'm looking forward to the old bull getting out there. That's, that's, kind of, that's what we, we call Rico. He's the old bull uh, with a bunch of young bucks. And so um, can't wait to see him hit the ice over there in Beijing. I was going to say, would uh, you call him like the, the yogger of sled hockey? <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's even got a, a little similar haircut right now. He's got a little, oh, got, got a nice little flow for the game. He's got a little tell going on in the back there. So um, yeah. It doesn't slow him down too much though. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound like carrying that extra weight yeah no no he keeps it he keeps it uh trimmed but there there's got there's a little something sneaking out the helmet there in the back <laughs> but um yeah he actually got introduced to the sport in san antonio texas down here uh where i live now i live in new Braunfels, um just 30 minutes from san antonio and that's where he was introduced to the sport when he was at the rehab hospital down here after sustaining injuries over in Iraq or Afghanistan. I can't recall which. Um, and so, uh, again, yeah, just a great story, a great ambassador for the sport, and um, excited for him to have that chance to go for a third gold medal. Is the game pretty popular down in South Texas? I know like it was cu- kind of starting to boom here in North Texas, and given that you know South Texas is a little further from an NHL team, and, and you know, I know I know the Stars have done a lot of a lot of good work here in DFW, like as far as like growing uh, stand up hockey for everybody. Uh, how has it been down in South Texas? Yeah, I mean this San Antonio program. They were um, previously associated with the Rampage, and so the San Antonio Rampage uh, kind of took them under their wing and. Uh, did a lot of stuff with them, and they were extremely successful for a number of years. Um, they started out being a veteran-only program because they were right here with the rehab hospital um, that a lot of guys coming back from uh, the war were were being sent to. And so they would get these guys out and just introduce them to you know a number of different adaptive sports, and you know sled hockey being one of them, and that just stuck with a bunch of them. Um, and so those guys started, you know, skating twice a week and competing at national tournaments. And uh, I want to say now that 
um, this program down here specifically uh, has produced, it's got to be three or four Paralympic gold medalists um, at this point. Uh, Rico being one of them, the starting goaltender for Team USA uh, this year at the Paralympics is going to be Jin Lee. He comes from San Antonio. He actually still lives down here. Um, Josh Sweeney, who scored the game-winning goal in the gold medal game in Sochi in 2014. He was uh, introduced to the sport down here in San Antonio. And uh, interesting note, he actually um, he retired from sled hockey in 2014, but uh, he just made the Nordic skiing Paralympic team. So he'll be going to Beijing for Nordic skiing. Um, so, yeah, he's a machine. Um, so yeah, I mean, just surprisingly, there's, there's been quite a bit of success for sled hockey in Texas in general, not, you know, down here in the San Antonio area and the, the, uh, program down here that is, uh, run by Operation Comfort. Uh, but like you mentioned up in the Dallas area, you know, back in 2002, there were three guys, uh, on the Salt Lake Paralympic team that won gold. And then I was on you know, the, the three teams as well. So yeah, we're getting close to close to 10 sled hockey players from Texas being Paralympic gold medalists. So not bad for a Southern state. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. We're not a, we're not a hockey state at all. Well, we'll we'll get there. We're on, we're well on our way. Uh, Rest in peace to the rampage, by the way, I'm still bitter about that. I'll never be, I'll never be okay with that until they bring it back. Uh, (laughs) So let me ask you this too. How can we or how can people that are listening to this kind of help sled hockey grow? Are there programs? Are there any kind of charities or anything they can donate to? Or how can how can we as a podcast and, and the listeners help sled hockey kind of get a little bit bigger here in Texas? Yeah, for sure. I mean, ex- I think I mentioned earlier, exposure is the main thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, despite Team USA winning four gold medals out of the last five, Despite the sport not big, being not a big deal, <laughs> despite the sport have having been in the U.S. since the the late '90s, being in Texas, you know, since the early 2000s, there's still so many people that just don't have any idea about it. And so, just continuing to spread the word, share on social media, the podcast, share you know clips that you see uh, from the Paralympic Games or from USA Hockey just getting the word out there that, you know, the opportunity for people with lower limb disabilities to play the sport of ice hockey um, is huge. And not just sled hockey, USA hockey overall, we, we manage six disciplines of disabled hockey. So we've got sled hockey, which uh, I played obviously. And then we've got special hockey for athletes with cognitive disabilities, deaf hockey, um, blind hockey, warrior hockey, which is stand up, uh, but only for uh, military veterans with a, a minimum disability rating from the VA. And uh, lastly, stand-up amputee hockey, uh, which is primarily played from like um, athletes with arm amputees, although there are some um, athletes with lower limb amp- amputees that that skate upright, you know, standing up. That's incredible to see as well. So um, basically – any disability that's out there, you know, there's some form or fashion or way for them to get out on the ice and USA hockey supports that. And if anyone has, you know, any questions on how to link up with a program in their area to make that happen, they can go to usahockey.com and kind of follow the links to disabled hockey. And there's links for each um, disabled discipline. Um, But yeah, just continuing to spread the word. Um, I think I mentioned earlier the Paralympics start March 3rd. 
they'll be broadcast on NBC, NBC Sports, Peacock. Um, check it out, watch it. You know, the more viewers, it's it's kind of like you know the women's game. The the more viewers there are, the more support you know these athletes get, um, and the more people are exposed to it. And so, check it out. You'll be amazed at you know what these athletes can do on the ice, not just in sled hockey, but also what athletes do on other. Um, you know, fields of play, downhill skiing, those, those guys and girls and mono skis are going 70 miles an hour down these mountains wow. racing. Like it is crazy. Um, and there's even visually impaired downhill skiing where uh, a blind individual is downhill skiing on the same course that they used at the Olympics with a guide about, I don't know, 10, 15 yards in front of him, in front of them telling them like what to do and what's coming up next like where the gate is turn left right down you know a dip's coming whatever you know their their words are to to let them know but they're going 50 plus miles an hour blind down an olympic paralympic mountain you know ski course uh, it's just phenomenal you know what these athletes do and what they can accomplish so definitely check it out share it on social media spread the word the more awareness and exposure we can get, the better, because there's someone out there that has never seen it, didn't know it existed. And, you know, there could be that 15 year old kid like I was, uh, that was a huge hockey fan, a huge sport fan, and didn't know that it was even a possibility and it could change their lives just like it did mine. I have a quick question. Noticing Fink's hat over here, he's wearing nice Helios hockey hat. Big props to those guys. Um, and, and understanding like uh, the, how much, metrics performance metrics are taking over the uh, the nhl and everything ha- have you seen a, a trend to where metrics are being adapted for for paralympians that's a good question i haven't i haven't been exposed to it directly i know the nat the national team the paralympic team they're doing a ton of different things um within the program to to maximize you know strength endurance all of those things. So I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they were using it. I just don't know to what degree. Um, but you know, analytics is taking over everything in all of our lives every day. So yeah, I have, I have no doubt that, you know, they're doing something, if not as a team individually, you know, the athletes are using various technologies to, to monitor different, physical stride speeds and whatnot yeah exactly or you know oxygen levels heart rate all that stuff um it's definitely becoming more uh, high tech and you know not just with the fitness but the equipment all of it and that's why they they keep getting so much better (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's insane i'm looking forward to it because i haven't really uh admittedly sat down and watched it but you know with some vested interest i'm definitely going to be all eyes on on the sled hockey uh for uh for the foreseeable foreseeable i can't use word words are very foreseeable difficult. thank you patrick foreseeable future uh you before say you we really went blind there yeah i didn't yeah jason you were supposed to be my guide uh you didn't even oh. help but um, a few yards in front of you man yeah so let me ask you this before we ask a couple uh off the cuff fun questions that we have to do with everybody and i know you've got some good answers but what is the best advice that you can give someone like you were saying, maybe that's 15 years old and, and wants to do something different or doesn't know which way to go as far as getting into the sport? What are what are some pieces of advice you can give someone in your situation? 
Yeah, the first thing is just to to try everything. You know, there's lots of adaptive sport programs out there. I've been doing a lot of work with the Challenged Athletes Foundation here recently, and they provide grants to individuals for equipment, for training expenses, travel expenses, to be able to participate in different events um, for all different adaptive sports. Um, And so the resources are out there uh, for anyone to get involved with literally anything, whether it's sled hockey or mountain biking or hand cycling or swimming. I mean, you name it. There's literally an adaptive version of basically everything. Um, and so just do your research. If, if you want to do something or try something out, look on the internet, search for it, reach out to people, um, see if they can connect you. Uh, like I said, I'm with USA Hockey. I'm the sled hockey representative for the entire country. So if anyone's interested in trying sled hockey, let me know. Uh, check out the website. There's links to different people in various regions throughout the U.S. to, to help people get involved in the sport of sled hockey. Uh, or the other disciplines of disabled hockey. And so first and foremost, just reach out, research, figure out kind of what you want to do, what you want to try. Once you find something that you really like and that you fall in love with, just keep at it. Um, You know, nothing is easy that's worth doing, right? Um, Sled hockey in particular is one of the most difficult uh, adaptive sports out there, in my opinion, because you're not in – a wheelchair, you're not in your prosthetic that you're used to living every day in. Uh, you're in a piece of equipment that's totally different. You're using muscles that you're not used to using. You're using both hands to propel yourself, to pass, shoot, score, all while someone is trying to take your head off. So it's super dynamic. And so it's not easy. Um, but if it's something that you love doing, you have fun doing, uh, it's worth sticking with it and you know working hard at it because Um, You know, my story uh, is a perfect example that if it's something that you love doing and you're worth, I mean, you're willing to work at, the sky's the limit. And, you know, there's there's lots to achieve in this world uh, in adaptive sports. So just work hard, stick with it and and don't give up. Heck yeah. That's the best advice you can give. So uh, we did this last time. I mean, we had a blast talking to you last time. This is, you know, we're almost at an hour and it feels like we've been talking for 15 minutes. I mean, obviously, this is just what Texas boys are about. Uh, So first and foremost, because I know that we don't have to ask you about (laughs) In-N-Out. No. But we can talk about Whataburger freely here as as it should be. Uh, And we talked about your go-to order. Yeah, this is a safe space for Whataburger fans all around. What is your go-to order? Um, and you can break it up. You can give us a breakfast order or a dinner order. But what is your top two go-to orders for Whataburger? So I'm a lunch and dinner Whataburger guy. Respect. And, um, it's only one. It's only one order. It's the barbecue bacon burger. But I only do one patty. I can't do two patties. I, I can never finish it. And I feel like a failure. And so <laughs> I just go with the one, the one patty. Barbecue bacon burger meal with a Dr. Pepper. Did we talk about the, the Dr. Pepper shake last time too? We did. And it's mm-hmm. excellent as well, but I just never have room for it. Whataburger is, is, is a dangerous game to play because they, they know they know what they're doing. The, the one thing that I always hear about people that have never had Whataburger before is, why is it so big? <laughs> I'm like, that's just Texas. Texas. Like, that's just yeah. how we do things here. 
I think there's a there's a thing on the sign when you enter Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. So and it says especially the Whataburger burgers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because the bun is so big, you have to make the patty accordingly. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's science. Uh, all right. Don't, we don't uh, make the rules here. Yeah. We we just live here. Uh, yeah. If you could pick your goal song for every single goal you scored, what would it be? Mm. Nothing is off limits. You can Rick Astley, never going to give you up. Uh, Barbie girl. I mean, literally anything that your heart desires. Anytime you, you tally one. That's a good one. Um, I mean, my, my, my theme song in high school was roll out. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously, <laughs> but it's not a very good goal song. So I think I'm going to go with boom. Yeah. I don't know if that's the name of the song, but is that limb biscuit? Oh, uh, P.O.D., I think. P.O.D., yep. I think that's going to yeah. be my goal song, so, you know. That's a good one. Score and that one touches and... that one touches the hearts of, of our age demographic because <laughs> I, high school. I may have some coworkers that don't know who P.O.D. are, and it makes me feel very, very old. Uh, NFL hits compilation ooh, theme song. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Patrick, this is Patrick's question, so I'm going to let him ask this last one. Who plays Taylor in the biopic of your life? Justin Timberlake. Great answer. Great answer. No hesitation. Nope. So when I was in high school, Jason can confirm this. I had the semi-long, curly, bleached, streaked hair. Frosted tips. As we all did. Frosted tips. Yeah. Yep. And it was identical. Yeah, this is still safe space here. Yeah, yeah. It was it was basically identical to Justin Timberlake. I can't remember if he did it first or if I did it first, um, but I definitely did the shaved head first, and he quickly followed suit, and so we continue to semi look alike. He's probably in a little bit better shape than I am, um, unless you're a fan of round. Uh, but <laughs> and I have a better beard. Um, but yeah, yes, I'm, I'm going confirm Timberlake. Great answer. And like I said, no hesitation. No, I, I think I, that's probably the thing he would do justice to. He, he's a solid actor. He's a solid overall talent. Yeah. yeah. Music, say that. He, actor. Yep. He does it all. Yep. He created Facebook mm-hmm. for crying out loud. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's all I have. Um, uh, Taylor, if you want, tell us how we can follow you on social media and uh, the best place. Like uh, if you want to plug the websites again, that way people, uh, you know, remember how to find you and, and we'll, we'll wrap this one up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at USA sled sniper seven. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but I'm actually commentating for NBC for the Paralympic games here in the next couple of weeks. So nice. I'll be doing a lot of behind the scenes updates and posts and you'll see my uh, face for radio on the TV and hear my voice <laughs> calling the games um, so that'll be a lot of fun. Again, you can check out USA Hockey to find out more information about disabled hockey and sled hockey programs near you. Uh, we've got programs in the Dallas area, Houston, Austin, and San Antonio here in Texas. Um, and then I think on Facebook, um, you can check out DFW Sled Hockey if you're in the Dallas area and interested in sled hockey. But yeah. 
follow me. I'll be giving tons of updates uh, on the Paralympics, behind-the-scenes footage of how NBC is capturing all the awesome uh, footage of the, the boys over there in Beijing, and it should be fun. I actually have one more question. Deal. Do you have any Razor-esque phrases planned? Oh, yes. And oh, if so, this is great. can you please... Shoot us a DM a if you teaser. if you remember one, and maybe we'll have a a couple special edition Taylorisms. Yeah, I don't have any off the cuff. I need to research um, some some good go tos there. If anyone has any recommendations on favorites, uh, feel free to message me or DM me. Uh, but given the history of the sled hockey tournament and the rivalry between the u.s and canada there's got to be some opportunities in there between big hits awesome goals and huge saves so those three categories i'm open to recommendations on the old razorisms i mean you just got to remember for saves in particular the larceny scale larceny yeah absolutely lucubrious is a has been tossed around I mean, your uh, vocabulary is pretty wide, so like yeah, I'm sure yeah. they'll be able to come off the cuff to you. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I feel like Razor doesn't practice them. Yeah, right? he's a he's a uh, he's a one of a kind fella. But true. I think I can remember larceny because I'm a big bourbon guy, and there you oh, go, yeah. bourbon that's called larceny. And so I think I've got that one in my back pocket, ready to go. If you can fit in. Like poop through a diarrhea-infected goose at any point. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that was solid. That one's a good one. Or if you're on the whiskey train, you could always so say something along the lines of "He's the angel's envy." You know, you maybe uh, maybe toss in uh, something. You know, a little little whiskey or bourbon related. I'm gonna need a bottle from some of these companies. If right, <laughs> some of these. You gotta say bland. If you say bland, the eagle there. Yeah, if you say Blanton's ten times in a broadcast, they send you a gold bottle. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> actually, I actually did have a bottle of uh, Belfour bourbon that Eddie signed for me and took a picture with me. Um, nice. So, yeah, I do have that bottle still, although it's empty now. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, no, you're not wrong. I should be. I should be able to throw in a few whiskey-related um, Taylorisms. We'll we'll label it as that. There you go. Perfect. Well, you heard I'll it here keep, first. I'll keep an eye out. Maybe we'll build you a yeah. montage. Deal. Exactly. Deal. Uh, well, I'm so glad that we got to do this again. Uh, like I said, everything happens for a reason. We uh, had an awesome interview with you uh, back in August of last year. But the fact that the uh, Paralympics are right around the corner, uh, again, you can find it on NBC, NBC Sports, and Peacock. Uh, this was just absolute perfect timing. Could not have gotten you on at a better time. And uh, really excited for the Paralympics. I mean, honest, honestly, this is just icing on the cake for what seems to be an awesome winter games coming up for sure. Yeah. Thanks guys. I really appreciate it. And yeah, definitely all your listeners check it out. It's amazing. You'll be uh, amazed at these athletes and you'll fall in love with all these Paralympic sports as well. Can't wait. Uh, we have one more ask of you. Uh, I think we asked you last time. I can't remember what it was, uh, but we've all got our specific sign off. So uh, to give you your first crack at your sign off, uh, before the, uh, the Paralympics get going, what's the, uh, what's the Taylor Lipset sign off that we can look forward to gold or bust. 
Oh, I got the chills. That's, be- that's better oh, than ours. Right, mate, put it on we a t-shirt and call it a day. That's, that's yeah. I was gonna say we don't even need to say ours anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the sake of notoriety, Patrick, let him know. Stay sassy, always. And uh, yeah, stay moist. Love field bound. Yeah, and <laughs> don't for any reason whatsoever, even if you're in Beijing, forget your Kermit tattoos. <laughs> <laughs>